I think um, staking and masternodes are a great way to hedge against market volatility. Yeah. When you look at what we just went through with this bear market for the past basically over a year, right? Um, if you're earning more coins, you're basically cost averaging your position. You know, does that make sense? Like instead of purchasing your way down to whichever price and trying to make your average price X amount of dollars, you're earning the coins regardless. Even if the price is going down, at least you have more coins. And when the prices start to go back up, you're that much more well positioned. That was this week's guest, Nick Sapinero, talking about passive income from masternodes and proof of stake, as well as the Divi project. On this week's Stash My Crypto, let's go. Hey there, crypto friends. Thanks for joining me here for another edition of the Stash My Crypto podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Nick Saponaro, who is from the Divi Project. We're going to talk about masternodes today. How you doing, Nick? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Stash. Yeah, no problem, man. So we, we, we met in person recently here at uh, Crypto Invest Summit here in LA, which was pretty cool to be able to connect. You know, a lot of times people go back and forth online and, and we know each other on Twitter, other places like that, but really good to be able to connect with you, man, and, and uh, meet you in person there. So uh, how was your CIS experience? It was great. Um, I actually went to the Security Token Summit the day before as well, and I learned a ton. Um, really interested to see where the whole STO thing goes, but right. yeah, CIS is, was great as always. And, uh, yeah, it was great to meet you. It's always cool to, to put a real face to the, to the Twitter name, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I definitely understand that's one of the reasons why I like to get out to all these uh, conferences that I can and, and mix it up with people. I think it's important. So we, we were just talking a little bit about, you know, the importance of community and meeting up here before we got, we jumped on. And so, yeah, it's, I think that's a good, a good thing. Positive for this space. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, why don't we start off by uh, you just telling uh, everybody a little bit about who you are and how you got into crypto. I want to hear that first story of like, oh, man, this is crazy. I need to get into this. I need to do something in this industry. Yeah, basically, my name is Nick Sapinero. I'm the chief information officer at the Divi Project. And I got into cryptocurrency, um, I guess it was probably early 2014, uh, maybe late 2013, it's kind of fuzzy, but uh, a buddy of mine who had been investing in Bitcoin for quite some time told me about Ethereum, and I think it was maybe a dollar or something at the time. And um, he was just pushing me so hard. He had met Joe Lubin, I guess, in New York at some point. He's like, dude, you have to get into this. It's the next wave. You know, it's the next big thing in, yeah. in crypto. And I, at the time, I really didn't quite understand cryptocurrency or blockchain. I had read a little bit about Bitcoin, but nothing too in depth. Um, so anyway, I, I threw, you know, a thousand bucks at ETH at that point. And um, of course it went up to like $20 and I was like, oh my God, I'm rich. <laughs> yes. And then the Dow happened. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. So I got a, that was my first taste of success in crypto and my first defeat in crypto. Um, but it didn't it didn't really deter me because um, mm -hmm. I understood the risk I was taking on. And uh, actually, I, I did sort of put it on the back burner for a while from an investment standpoint. And I started to look into the actual technicalities of crypto because I'm a, I'm a developer by trade um, and I was freelancing websites at the time. So I was kind of interested in the tech. Um, and that's when I really got into it, seeing the potential of what could be done with with Ethereum and with all of all of the different use cases of blockchain, 
Um, and then of course, ETH started to go back up uh, a couple of years later and, and um, things really started to change. And it was, it's been an incredible experience. I'm really glad that I got in when I did, but I still feel like it's so early you know, yeah. the, the, the whole market cap of our entire industry is less than what Apple has on hand cash at any given time. You know, that's <laughs> that's a pretty good indication that it's still early enough to, to experience some of those highs and lows. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of crypto in a nutshell. It, you know, I love that story, actually, because it. it it easily explains how easily, you know, people can get in, they can get excited about something, catch a really great project and then be totally devastated just a short time after that. <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think the, the merit here is the fact that, you know, you saw that there was a lot of worth in this industry, even though something like that happened to you were like, Oh man, I've made these amazing gains. And then, Oh man, I've lost these amazing gains and, or, you know, and it's kind of ping ponging back and forth. And, but you know, you, you you saw how important this industry was going to be here in the future, and decided to continue with it. I mean, the same thing with me. I, I got in uh, around the end of 2013, beginning of 2014, and you know, I I come from a similar background. I'm also a developer. I've been a coder uh, for quite some time, even though it's not been my main focus uh, until the last uh, couple of ten years here. Or so, but uh, you know, in general, yeah. I mean, that that's that's what I saw too. Is when I got into this whole thing, I was like, oh man, Bitcoin. I you know, at first didn't really understand it. You know, I saw it earlier in 2012 and just kind of passed it by. I was like, eh, whatever. It just seems a little bit whatever. Yeah. And then 2013 was when I really started to understand why it was important and what what how it really worked. And you know, diving into those technicals like you did. And that made the whole difference to me. That's when I was like, oh my gosh, I got to get on this. I got to throw some money at this investment. It's something, just whatever I have. And I did at the time and invest a little bit in, into Bitcoin. And I, But I, I didn't even know about Ethereum at that time either. And so I kind of, uh, you know, I, I sat on that throughout that whole bear market we had through 2014, 2015, and then really came back to everything in uh, 2016. So um, I, I, I share your story there a little bit. And, and I think that's uh, it's great to know that, you know, I hear this often. I always ask all of my guests, well, what, you know, how did you get in? And what was your, you know, aha moment? And what, what really did it? And um, it's great to hear that, you know, you were early on a uh, Ethereum investor, someone who saw the potential of that versus, you know, oh, it was Bitcoin that really got me into this whole thing. And, and you know, you, you, you went kind of a little bit of a different direction, which I like. It's cool. I mean, coming from the development standpoint, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really what attracted me. You know, the fact that you could build more than just payments uh yeah a payments network with or you know payments software with this technology i mean if you've seen what happened with ethereum right they created it, it created or bred thousands of other assets yeah mostly not great projects but you know it's still i think that's all part of maturing as an industry yeah um, you gotta have and that's just experimentation we're, we're experimenting with new technology and new the science is not uh, defined necessarily perfectly yet, so I think right. a little bit of uh, a little bit of experimentation is is okay at this stage. Well, I mean, you saw the same thing with the internet. You can't blame the internet and say, "Hey, man, the internet allowed you to make these web pages that people could go to," and then I got scammed. Right. You know, or exactly. I, you know, and so you, you could kind of, and so in that kind of sense, you could say Ethereum was kind of like that that springboard for these products because without Ethereum and ERC twenty token standard. Uh, it, it's, it's, it was a lot harder to be able to make your own blockchain and do these things. But Ethereum has really pushed the boundaries, I think, on the entire industry. So when you look at kind of where things started to really balloon, I think it really was because of Ethereum 
and yeah. you know th- them allowing people to be able to create tokens that were easy to easier to create than just making having to make your own blockchain project right yeah I mean, that's really what pushed the boundaries there and so um you know now now we're seeing with a very rich ecosystem and you're right some of them are, are shit coins and some of them are really cool projects that are kind of diamonds in the rough and and then there's there's you know the in between where it's like it could go either way <laughs> so you never really know i think and and that's what's kind of interesting i think about this early stage right now is that there's a there is a lot of speculation uh but there is a lot of really cool things and aspects out there you know i think that uh, there's great a lot of great opportunities for passive income for people who are not uh, you know traders, but there's also great opportunities for the people who do trade and and are savvy in that. And so you kind of have both sides, or you kind of have the the hodlers and the the traders, and and then the you know like well I guess it would be like an investor, somebody you know who's just kind of uh, hodling their Bitcoin and not doing much with it. But then you also have opportunities for you know passive income with things like masternodes and staking, right? Right, exactly. And I know I've tried trading, you know, I, I, I know a guy, a guy who's a great analyst and he gives me a lot of advice, but it's right. just not for me. I think between the lack of time that I have and just the lack of, of skill doing that particular yeah. thing, it's just, it's not for me, it's not a good way to make money in crypto, um, which is why I started looking at different ways to earn. Um, initially, of course, I looked at mining and mm-hmm. I built computers for a living for a while, um, right after high school. And, um, you know, it's just too much of an investment when it comes to mining. I mean, you have to buy all this equipment and you have to continuously maintain that equipment and upgrade it. And you're competing, at least as far as Bitcoin goes, you're competing with massive operations. It's -hmm. it's borderline not even worth it to try as an individual, Um, which is where staking, I think, is so attractive. Mm -hmm. It requires absolutely basically no hardware. You could do it off your laptop or a, a digital ocean droplet, you know, for $5 a month. Um, and masternodes are the same way. And with Dash uh, being the first implementation of masternodes, um, you can see that there's a, a huge potential for obviously growth, but also use cases outside of just, you know, earning more Dash or earning more uh, whatever coin you you're, have a masternode set up for, um, which is why I think when we started Divi, we were so focused on creating a masternode ecosystem that was easy to access. Um, you know, with Dash, it's so expensive to get involved. Uh, so we wanted to create a, a, a way for anyone, even non-technical people to get involved. We can talk about that a little bit later if you want. Mm-hmm. But I think um, staking and masternodes are a great way to hedge against market volatility. Yeah. When you look at what we just went through with this bear market for the past basically over a year, right? Um, if you're earning more coins, you're basically cost averaging your position. You know, does that make sense? Like instead of purchasing your way down to whichever price and trying to make your average price X amount of dollars, you're earning the coins regardless. Even if the price is going down, at least you have more coins. And when the prices start to go back up, you're that much more well positioned. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that the the whole, you know, I, I'm a big fan of dollar cost averaging in general, 
And I'm also a big fan of staking. I, I, I do both, honestly. And so, you know, that's kind of my advice to, to a lot of people who, um, you know, follow my channel is that, you know, there's great passive ways to be able to invest into cryptocurrencies, even if you're not a trader. Now, I do do some trading, but I am by no means like a day trader. You know, I do a couple swing trades here and there, you know, just when I, I know for sure that I have a good opportunity. But like, like yourselves, I just don't have a lot of time. I don't yeah. have a lot of time to dedicate to it. There's other people out there who are like, this is what they do. They have tons of time. They can, you know, maybe they have, they're already well off or they have something, some situation where, the, or this is what they do full time. I just don't have that. Like I run a whole another business, you know, I, I have a family. And so it's hard for me to be able to, to really be an effective full-time trader in that kind of respect. So having these opportunities for passive income like this, uh, I think is a really u unique thing within crypto because a lot of people say, oh, well, passive income doesn't exist. You've heard this sometimes from uh, people like Gary Vee and other people who are like, well, you know, and, and, you know, in essence, you know, you can say, oh, passive income doesn't exist because you still have to do something active at some point to be able to get this income. And that is true. Uh, you yeah. know, a lot of times with some of these we, these things. But, you know, with cryptocurrency, I think that the, the real strong suit here with staking and masternodes is the fact that really all you really have to do is invest initially and then kind of reap rewards on the back end. And it has, and it's kind of similar to, you know, maybe you, a money market account or, 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 or like a CD or something, right? Where you're, you're, you're locking up a certain number of, of money for a certain amount of time, right? So, so if you have that CD or something where you're like, okay, well, this is a three year and, you know, I can't touch that money, but then when, it, when it's done, I get X amount of returns. And right. so I, I kind of look at, uh, you know, staking and masternodes in the same kind of, of category, right? But just the cryptocurrency versions of them. How do you kind of feel about that 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 kind of um, you know um, designation for those things? Do you think that makes yeah, sense? Yeah, it is similar. It's it is like a, an interest bearing savings account in a way. I guess the the main distinction is the fact that you can dismantle your your staking node or your master node at any time. Right. You're not really locked into it. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you really needed to liquidate your position or or you just wanted to do something different with your funds, mm -hmm. you know, that is an option. Um, versus, you know, something like a Roth IRA or something where you're pretty much waiting till you're, till you're 60 years old or what, what have yeah, you. Yeah, that's the real long-term model right there, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and there's nothing wrong with any of those assets either. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not one of these people that's like, screw fiat. And uh, I think that it's good to hedge all of your positions all around uh, different types of investments, stocks, bonds, etc. Right. Um, of course, I'm most bullish on crypto because it's the best performing asset class known to man. Ever. Yeah. And whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I mean, I'm, honestly, I, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not a fan of fiat. And there's many reasons we can go into that and like how the Fed, you know, all these things work and and you know, but that still doesn't mean that I don't understand, you know, the system we work in that we live in that that is predominant right now and that you do need to be, you know, diversified in that respect. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and definitely we could we could have a whole nother podcast about how the banks and stuff like that. Right. I'd, love to, I'd love to go down that rabbit hole with you one day. But uh, but yeah, I mean, um, so but to stay on the staking topic and the masternode thing, mm -hmm. I think I think also it's being overlooked a lot. I've I've hmm. recently gave a presentation on masternodes, and I've learned that masternode coins only make up about three percent of the entire market of cryptocurrency. So they're a really, really small niche within a niche. Yeah. And to me, as a as an investor or or whatever, um, I see that as a massive growth opportunity. You know, right. if you can pick the right master nodes, you could have a dash in a few years. Mm -hmm. You know, you could have a pivots in a few years. Um, 
it's hard to know which ones they are. That's why you got to look at the team and the fundamentals of the, of the project, of course. But I think people are, are kind of sleeping on, on masternodes right now and staking. It's, mm. it's becoming more, more relevant. But right. I think because of so many scam coins that, that chose to go the masternode route or, or the staking route, it kind of put a black mark on, on masternodes and staking. And I hope that over the next you know, couple of years, as you know, Ethereum figures out how to how to transition to proof of stake, and some of the more legitimate projects. I mean, even even EOS is uh, is is a distributed proof of stake, right? Um, yeah. So I mean, massive projects obviously see the benefit of of having staking. You have Tezos and a, a bunch of others, right? Yeah. So hopefully that black mark will will start to be erased over the next you know couple of years. Yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree with you there. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of masternodes, and I know a lot of people who are, but really that's because we're all in the cryptocurrency world. But you know, in general, most people don't. If they if they, you know if they don't have a good handle on crypto, they may only know you know some of the top ones, and they may not really have an understanding of what a masternode actually is. So maybe you could just uh, tell us a little bit about what what a masternode actually is and how it functions within a network, real quick. Yeah, a masternode is is a full node, same as any other node in the network. Mm-hmm. Uh, holds a full copy of the blockchain, of course. But rather than creating new blocks, uh, like a staking or, or a proof of work node would, a master node actually just secures and verifies the transactions that are are made within the network. Um, it was originally, like I said, created by Dash in order to facilitate their privacy features. But we're seeing implementations all across the board now where uh, the master nodes are being used to create uh, virtual private networks, um, to open funding channels, and there's, there's a, I'm sure, a multitude of other uh, use cases for masternodes, but generally they're used to secure and verify those transactions. Mm-hmm. And so basically, you know, uh, for a proof-of-stake coin, this masternode kind of uh, setup, it, it kind of takes a place of, you know, what a miner would do in something like Bitcoin or Ethereum right now, where, you know, miners are the ones that are verifying these transactions and uh, they're getting rewards because of that. And so with the masternode, you essentially have to lock up a certain number of coins. Uh, you know, with Dash, I think, what is it, like uh, 200,000, 100,000 Dash? It's, uh, with Dash, it's 1,000, but 1, it costs 000. about 100,000 dollars. Right, yeah. Yeah, but but it's a very expensive one thousand to be able to lock up, and so yeah, very. And, and so every masternode has their own their own amount of how much you have to lock up to be a, a masternode, right? But uh, in general, they they kind of perform the same functions as a miner performs to verify all the transactions and and uh, you know and then at the same time also keeping um, you know a whole uh, full node of the entire blockchain. Um, you know, it's part of the network. So it's, right. it's, it's like you said, it's a, it's a more efficient way of doing some of the same things that we see here in proof of work coins. And like you were saying, you know, you can set one of these up as long as you have the investment and then you have, uh, you know, maybe your, your, uh, your um, uh, server that you have set up and, you know, it can be, you can get ones fairly cheap. You know, a lot of people I think have uh, that, that's where the, a lot of, I think the disconnect comes when we talk about, well, why masternodes aren't very popular is because I think that they're a little bit hard right now to get going. People will have to have some specialized technical knowledge. It's not as hard as setting up like a mining rig, like you were talking about earlier, where you have like all this hardware, you got to set it up, you got to build it yourself or buy one pre-made. And then, you know, the ROI, maybe not may not be that good even though you're getting the coins it's more of a long-term investment but then you still gotta do maintenance on it 
you yeah. know, with with a master node, there's no maintenance. I mean, not necessarily. You, you know, you have to probably upgrade your version of software. I guess that's really the only main maintenance you'd have to do. Uh, but yeah. then pay, paying your fees on your server, or I guess if you're going to run your own server at your house or something, you could, that's possible. But in general, <laughs> I think it's probably more efficient to just buy buy server space, right? I mean, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And and traditionally, like you said, master nodes are really difficult to to set up without any technical knowledge. Um, but that that's changing. Um, yeah. Obviously, there are staking pools and masternode pools out there. But the issue I think with those is that you're sort of entering the same issue that you see with exchanges, where you're you're letting someone else take custody over right. those coins. Yeah, we don't want that. We don't want that. So what we created, what uh, Divi created, was the one-click masternode, mm-hmm. um, and it's completely under your custody, the, the user's custody but it's deployed to the cloud and we actually maintain all of those those software upgrades make sure that the you know those those vpss are are up to date and whatnot and anytime the the network upgrades you don't have to worry about anything it's already it's being handled for you but mm-hmm. you keep your keys i think that those types of ease of use features you know these one click no click solutions yeah. we call them that's going to be standard it, it, it has, has to be it already is in in regular tech right why wouldn't yeah. So I, I hope that, you know, I don't necessarily think there's an end-all, be-all coin, but I hope that what we're doing at Divi sort of starts a, starts a trend for other coins mm-hmm. to, to make their, their node setups much easier or more, at least more accessible for people that are non-technical because this is going to start to become more mainstream. Right now, everyone knows about Bitcoin, maybe Ethereum, maybe XRP, you know, but there will be a, a time where... I think the more mainstream users are getting into the, you know, the fit, the top 50, the top 100 and starting mm-hmm. to go through the, the, the latter pages of, uh, of coin market cap or, or what have you. And, um, for that to happen, it, it needs to be easy. Yeah. It needs to be much easier. Well, and, and that's, I think that's the issue we have here as a barrier to entry for all of cryptocurrency really is it, you know, it's just not that easy to use. And honestly, people want to, Funny enough, is it people want to understand cryptocurrency more than they really need to probably to to, to have to to use it right now. And so, uh, you know, using the dollar US is easy. People can they know how to use it. They don't need any kind of X because they've been using it their entire lives. It's been built into everything they've seen as a, as a kid growing up till now. And they understand that system, even though they may really actually not understand the system, but they understand the fact that it can be redeemed and how they can use it. And so I think with cryptocurrencies right now, people don't really understand what they are, why they have value, how to use them, how to redeem them. You know, I don't know if you caught that recent 60 Minutes piece uh, that uh, Anderson Cooper did talking about uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. It was actually, I think, really kind of well done. You know, it was one of the better pieces I've seen by a mainstream media outlet. And, you yeah. know, they, they didn't put a lot of the scary kind of stuff in there, but really just kind of laid out this interesting story. But in general, you can tell even even, even those people, they, they still don't know. They still don't get what it is or and how it works. And so even this is even just with Bitcoin. And so then you look at, you know, more advanced things, like you said, like getting into Ethereum or then getting into like Masternode projects. It's so it's so farther down that rabbit hole. And it's just not easy for the average consumer to understand and grasp why yeah. these are important. 
why these are going to be the future, or why, why something like Divi with a one-click install is going to be something that everyone's going to want to use in the future because it's just so easy to use. And so I think that's where we're, we're at that crux right now where, you know, there was a time when the internet was really bulky and hard to use too. I mean, I don't know if you were around during the dial-up dial modem era. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, dude, that era sucked, man. <laughs> I mean, someone picks up the line because they got to make a phone call, and you're on there like, Mom, get off the damn phone. I'm on the internet, man. <laughs> I'm chatting in my AOL chat room. What are you doing? You know, like that has, I've done that. Halfway downloaded. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. This this song I've been downloading this song for an hour now. You just killed my download. Exactly. Yeah, so that's where I, we are. And that's where I think that's kind of a little bit where we are. And obviously, we have a little bit more advanced technology and stuff here. Um, you know, in general, right? With with the internet being a, a very big, robust system, but this is kind of like. You know, this this is so new, and 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 the the idea of this value transfer system um, that is now becoming super multifaceted. Whereas is just Bitcoin. Now we have proof of stake, and now we're you know looking at things like masternodes as being kind of the next iteration of that. And my mm -hmm. in my opinion, that's kind of where I see things is that you know uh, proof of work is a very hard thing to do. I still support proof of work and what Bitcoin is doing with its its network and and nodes, and, and I, I would still love to see it easier for people to to deploy those things and to be able to have home miners that are just built into a house as a, as an appliance like anything else was you know and, and then repurposing the heat that comes from it and all these things you know and upgrading just like you would any other appliance but you know we're so far from those types of solutions and you know when you look at alternatives that are easier for people to probably get into right now i think a masternode is actually a really good alternative and and you know like you're saying with divi you guys uh, have this this really great one-click cloud installation and you guys, you don't have to do anything, right? I mean, basically, you're just paying, uh, you pay like a monthly fee for something like that? Yeah, so right now it's, uh, excuse me, my dog just <laughs> He's um, like, Bitcoin, uh, proof of work. <laughs> He's like, ah. <laughs> um, no, so, yeah, it's 10 bucks a month for the lower uh, levels of Masternode, and it's $15 a month for the higher levels of Masternode. Mm -hmm. And right now, it, it is paid via PayPal, mm -hmm. but we're about to implement uh, our first network upgrade, which will allow for time-lock contracts, which will allow you to actually pay your subscription with Divi, which mm -hmm. is really important to yes. us. Because um, while I may not have the uh, most negative outlook on fiat, I definitely have the highest negativity on uh, on payment processors banks and people that custodialize your funds right um, right so anything we can do to get away from that is obviously going to be a, a goal for us um and that that will be a reality very soon yeah. um but yeah it's it's super simple it's as easy as setting up itunes on your computer and, and pressing play um, as long as you have the, the collateral for the master node it's really just it's a, a couple clicks away and um and people seem to really enjoy it so uh and i hope that we can start to implement the same technology for all of the coins i f i feel that again there's no one coin to rule them all i think interoperability is going to be a massive Huge. massive uh push yeah um, and massively important for for mass adoption mm -hmm. and so for that reason you know we, of course we'll add dash one click masternodes and pivots and smart cash and pack and all of them and and hopefully uh, those technologies will implement similar technologies that we have, like atomic swaps and uh, and time lock contracts, so that we can make interoperability a reality all within the same ecosystem. So that once mass adoption begins, people don't have to think about okay, I need a Dash wallet and I need a Bitcoin wallet and I need you know all of these different pieces of technology that I also have to learn. Right. There's no friction, you know, when yeah. there's an ecosystem that is really just works well and, and is designed well, 
then then there's no friction and people can start to go to, to Best Buy and buy a, a computer with with whatever Bitcoin or Dash or whatever the merchant's willing to accept. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I think that, and, and I mean, well, in, in, with anything, I think that the, the interoperability is all about like, okay, well, I have Dash, this guy only accepts Bitcoin, but it doesn't matter because I swipe my card thingy and it automatically transfers, it converts it, boom, 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 done, don't have to worry about it, you know, and so you can kind of pay in whatever medium you have and, and, it, and it will be interoperable um, on that kind of level where people don't even have to think about it, you know, and that's what we want to get. We want to get to a point where people don't have to think about it. When you go on the internet, you use a website, you don't think about like, oh, well, this is, I have to know how JavaScript works to use this. Or I have, right. to know how, I have to know how HTML or PHP works because if I don't, I, you know, I don't, I can't use this website. Like we don't, nobody needs to know those things. You know, it's people like me and you who, who make it all work in the background and it's just a really clean, simple user interface. People go and hit a couple button, boom, boom, boom. And then they get whatever they're, you know, and it's all about, it's all about fulfilling those desires and needs that, that we have uh, very simply. And I think that crypto doesn't necessarily do that yet, but I think that it has the potential to do it at the highest level when we get to that point where, you know, we have a very rich ecosystem that is well supported and well developed. I mean, this has only been 10 years, you know, when you look at the 10 year point at where the internet started to where it was t 10 years after that. I mean, we're, we're still in the early 90s if you're really looking from time to time. Exactly. And, and so, you know, so we're at a point where, where we're still kind of in the dial-up age and, you know, hopefully we can we can usher that in with great projects uh, like Divi and stuff like that who, who help to to create a more robust environment for doing some of the next level advanced type of things like uh, like masternodes and staking on, on, on platforms, so. Agreed, 100%. You know, one thing I did want to ask you about when it comes to a masternode and a, a staking platform, you know, how do you how do you feel about, um, you know, an actual use case for uh, a masternode or for a network? Because when you look at something like this, you know, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of masternodes and I think we, we talked about this earlier about the kind of a lot of scammy masternodes came in there. I'm like, well, what is your actual use case? Like, it's great that you have a masternode system and that if I can be a masternode by locking up a certain amount of coins and I get dividends back, but what does the network actually do? And I feel like, having some sort of intrinsic value or intrinsic need that the network has for you, uh, you know, will determine how well your coin is going to do in the future and why it's going to be actually useful and use case. So can you talk a little bit about that and what you think about use case in, in a masternode situation? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. First of all, a lot of these masternodes are really just a way for more coins to be generated. And what are the coins used for? Usually nothing. Yeah. And just trading, even at the speculating. Coins, right. Pure speculation, exactly. Yeah. And at the current stage that Divi is at, that's pretty much all it is right now. Mm -hmm. I, I'm the first to admit that. But if you look at our roadmap, you see that we have a lot of use cases for the master nodes being developed. So, mm -hmm. for example, we're looking at um, a way for funding channels on our own Lightning Network to be facilitated via the, the master nodes. Um, we also have an implementation of a, of a very old coin called Namecoin. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Which, you know it, yeah, cool. So yeah, you're you're a you're an old school guy too. Um, basically, Namecoin allows you to store arbitrary data on the blockchain securely, mm -hmm. um, and we'll use some of the higher tiered master nodes in order to facilitate the storage and transfer of that of that metadata. We'll call it. Right. Um, and this actually allows us to implement almost like a a, a login with Facebook style of technology mm -hmm. for crypto. Um, because we're able to store something like your username, um, you know, your image or a link to your image, mm -hmm. um, an email address, whatever you're, you're comfortable storing, whatever, of course it's hashed and, and completely secure. Sure. Um, you'll actually be able to 
sort of port your, say it's your KYC for a new exchange or a new decentralized exchange um, or a new service that you're trying to, to access within our ecosystem, rather than going through KYC again and doing all of the signup process, you just sign in with Divi. Right. And that'll be facilitated through the masternodes. They'll all store that information and make sure that it's secured and verified every time that it's used. Um, so that's those are two basic use cases for within our ecosystem. Mm-hmm. But outside of us, like I said, there's people uh, trying to implement VPNs with masternodes. Um, and I'm sure there's, there's dozens more projects that are either under wraps or just unknown to me um, that, that masternodes can be used for. I mean, it is a network of, of nodes that's right. essentially unused other than the fact that it's saying, yes, that transaction is real, you know? Right. There's a lot of unused power there. And I think um, I think people much smarter than myself will be uh, will be implementing things that we can't even imagine right now in the next, you know, 10, 20 years. Yeah, and so I think that that just kind of speaks a little bit to what we were already saying about, you know, us being very early in the space. You know, masternodes um, are, are a great way to earn passive income, in my opinion. Um, you know, but you're right, we're, we're still early where, you know, a lot of these use cases are being developed. They're not necessarily fully flushed out. We don't, and, and, and in an industry that changes so quickly, and we, you know, it's, I think it's very imperative for a, a, a company or, or a project to also be able to pivot quickly as well. And so yeah. sometimes these use cases, you know, come out of nowhere because you're like, oh, we're doing this and we ran on this problem. We realize, oh man, this is our use case, you know? And so I think that's what's really cool about where we're, where we're at right now. I've seen tons of projects already do this. Um, and so... Yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm all, I'm a big proponent of use case in general. Like most of the time, I'm not going to invest in a project unless I see some sort of actual use case in them, and that's what I always talk about uh, on my channel and to to my my followers. But you know, when it comes down to masternodes and uh, you know the general reason why I would invest into a masternode, a it comes down to the community. I want I want to see them doing something. I want I want there to be a use case, but there also needs to be a great community behind it. And then I I feel a lot more comfortable with uh, you know investing my time and possibly investing my money too. So I think that that's also a really big uh, factor of a project. Um, you know, a masternode project is not only the fact that they have at least some sort of plan or something for a use case, but also a, a community behind them that supports them because I think that's a big big thing too. So. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, community has always been a huge focus of mine since the very beginning. Since we did our token sale, I, I was I've been on Telegram. You know, I answered as many messages as I possibly can. But you know what's what's crazy is over time the community starts to grow, yeah. and it, it's almost out of your hands. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's up to the the um, founding team to establish a culture within that community. You see so many communities that are just toxic. Right. And yep. you go in there, you ask one question and, and they just destroy you. You know, it's not, right. that's not a yeah. good way to get new no, customers. It's, <laughs> it's, um, a, it's like, Reddit, so, I call that Reddit syndrome. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, we've, we've tried to, <laughs> to develop a, a, a culture of inclusion and everyone's welcome. I don't say something negative about the project. We're happy to answer your, a lot of negative claims are actually just concerns and questions. Right. Right. Of course, you have fudsters that come in and they're just trying to be trolls, but that's few and far between. There are people that are just abrasive or just like don't know how to pose, phrase a question or whatever. Yeah, you know, give them a chance. Don't just destroy them because you disagree with the way they they phrased something. Um, so I think that's really important. And then you start to see, you know, uh, we have a really good admin squad now. Um, a lot of our team, uh, or sorry, a lot of our community has started to build other solutions, tip bots. Mm-hmm. and uh, different technologies using Divi and 
this whole little microcosm of, of culture starts to erupt in, right. in a very small period of time if you if you manage the community well. So I, I definitely agree with that, 100%. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, uh, Nick, thanks for really for coming here and talking to us a little bit about Masternodes and staking and also your uh, the Divi project that you're uh, you're working on here with you and your and your team. I really appreciate you your time and and you know kind of going over what you feel is important about masternodes and passive income through them. Um, you know, just uh, what, before we go, tell everybody where they can find a, more about the Divi project and about what you guys are doing there in the community. Definitely come to our website diviproject.org and check out all our blogs. And there's tons of information there. Join us on Telegram t.me/diviproject mm-hmm. and uh, Twitter's the same diviproject and uh, I'm on there as well. So if you have any questions. Just reach out. Good up, Nick. Answer. Cool. Well, hey, uh, once again, Nick, I appreciate you being here. I think that's all we have for today, folks. Until next time, stash that crypto, friends. Mm-hmm.